Revelation 21, Revelation 21 tonight. Feel the Holy Ghost here. Uh, thank you for those who are praying for me. I threw my back out, uh, uh, but Bob and Stephen came and prayed for me. Feel much better. Uh, amen. So thank you for that. Amen. So Revelation 21. When preaching sermon, I've had no greater hope tonight. Uh, so let's get right in verse 1. It says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and new earth had passed away, and there was no more seed. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eye. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, make all things new. Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Father, I pray tonight your revelation. God, lay hold of our hearts. God, give us the hope of your word. God, the hope of a new heaven, new, uh, amen, in, uh, in heaven one time, or one day, God, just stay in your presence, your power will be there. Uh, God, in Jesus' name, I pray, make this real to us tonight. Help us. God, we give all the glory and all the praise to you. God, people say, amen. So look at three things. Now, let's look at first the new. The Bible talks about new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. And in verse 5, it said, God said, behold, I make all things New. Uh, God never does the old. God's always got a new thing. Hallelujah. Uh, in the Hebrew, the word new is uh, uh, kilon, if I say it right. It means fresh, prime, and wonderful. In other words, man has never known a community unmarred by sin. Now think about that. We have, we have no idea what a world will look like, run like, operate by without sin. We have no idea, and this is what is going to make heaven so wonderful. Uh, amen. Sin is not going to be there. Adam and Eve knew for a short time, uh, but New Jerusalem will be a sinless, pure, and righteous community, a holy city. We can't get our mind around that. I mean, think about no crime, no riots, no Democrats. I mean, think about all that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Heaven's going to be wonderful. John tried to give us a visual of what heaven might look like. He gives us a picture of a bride uh, adorned for her husband. Now, to the Jewish mind, there was nothing more beautiful than a man seeing his bride coming down the aisle ready to meet him. So John, again, is trying to give us a picture of heaven, uh, and he pictures this bride, this beautiful bride, walking down the aisle, her husband ready uh, to meet her. Uh, amen. So it's going to be a great place. Hallelujah. The part I really like about this new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem is verse 3. So the tabernacle of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they shall, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. You know, as great as our fellowship is, as great as our headship is, our brethren, man are flawed. Come on. As great as we have it here, man is flawed. Uh, but, in, but in this new heaven, this new earth, new Jerusalem, God is everything. God is uh, the vocal 
or the, or the focal point of everything in heaven. So as great as this new Jerusalem, new earth, new heaven is going to be, it means nothing if we don't make it there. Listen, if we don't make it there, it, it doesn't mean anything to you and I. So let's deal with getting there first. Amen. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned uh, and come short of the glory of God. Now look at your neighbor and say, I'm a sinner. I'm fallen, I have fallen short. Some of you didn't like that tonight. Come on, say it again. I'm a sinner. I have fallen short. You know the reason some of you didn't like that? Because we think that we're pretty good people. That we rarely do anything wrong. Other people, yes, pastor, but look at my wings. I don't do anything wrong. Rarely do I ever do anything wrong. Come on, it's how we think sometimes. And we have to deal with that because the Bible says we're sinners. We're living in a sin-filled world, uh, marred by sin. So we have to deal with the sin issue tonight. Uh, Romans 5, Paul pointing to Genesis 3, says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, talking about Adam, when Adam sinned, listen, paradise in just a few years uh, was turned into Sodom and Gomorrah. Amen. And the Bible said, In death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. Uh, so matter what, no matter what we think tonight, uh, sin entered into the world, sin marked you and I, uh, Bible said, we've all sinned, uh, we've all fallen short, we're all sinners tonight. So like it or not, we're sinners living in a sin-filled world, uh, and from the time we came out of the womb, uh, sin made its mark on you and I. Let me prove it to you. How many know we don't have to teach a kid to be bad? They automatically know that, don't they? You don't have to tell them to go out and break a window, they automatically know how to do that. They automatically know how to ruin your carpet and and scratch your car, and put dent, they automatically know how to do stuff like that. If your kids are anything like mine, uh, they automatically know how to do stuff like that. But we do have to teach them how to be good. Uh, because naturally, they're going to lie, cheat, and be dishonest. How many you've asked your kids something, and they flat out lied to you? And you know it. They're being dishonest about something, uh, uh, and you know it, because that's in them. Sin has marred them. They have fallen short, uh, and it only gets worse as they get older. Galatians 5.19. But the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresy, envy, murder, drunkenness, reviles, uh, and the likes, which I tell you beforehand, just as I have also told you in times past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, if you would be honest, most of us were ha- named about half of them on that list. Come on. If you, and, and hopefully you're still not naming them, but, uh, uh, you know, but, but we're sinners. I mean, we're marred, we're marred clay tonight, uh, and the Bible makes that point we're in desperate need uh, of a Savior. You know, thank God doesn't end right there. Romans 5.18, Therefore, as though one man's sin, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, salvation came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Just as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, uh, many were made 
righteous, verse 21, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more, so that as sin reigns to death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Savior. In other words, Jesus came and bridged the gap by laying down his own life, by taking his place, by taking our place on the cross, uh, and through him we have salvation. Through him we're saved uh, from sin's judgment and have a relationship with God, uh, and we can secure place uh, in this new heaven, this new earth, and new Jerusalem through Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus Christ, uh, Amen, paid the price. Ephesians one seven in Him, we have redemption through His blood, forgiveness of sin according to the rich, uh, riches of His grace so well uh, every morning i hope you get up and say thank jesus or thank god jesus your son came died on the cross i'm grateful for that i'm thankful for that i'm saved because of that we need to pray it every morning that's how i start my prayer every day in the prayer room uh, god i'm grateful i'm thanking you uh for dying on the cross shedding your blood taking my place uh, god i appreciate that you know, God made it so easy for you and I to come out from under the curse uh, and be blessed forever. Look at Romans 10 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It's so easy, isn't it? God said, I'm going to make salvation easy. Uh, uh, I mean, we've been, we know the sting of sin. All of us, we've fallen short. Uh, all of us are filled with sin. Uh, we know that, but God makes it very easy for you and I to be saved now. Uh, amen. Uh, can you say hallelujah for that? So if you're not saved, you're going to have a chance by the end of the service. I want to look next, though, at the former things. Because this is where the struggle is. I want to look at the former things. Jesus said the former things have passed away. Verse 4, God will wipe away every tear from your eye. There will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. You know, I titled this sermon, No Greater Hope. If you've ever been through difficulty, maybe you're in a difficulty right now, if you're in a hardship, uh, a time of struggling, uh, listen, this scripture gives you great hope. It's not always going to be like that. Uh, but right now, Jesus says we're living in uh, what's called the former times. You know, there's not one of us here that's not touched in some way, somehow, by the former things. Uh, former things are mentioned, death, sorrow, crying, and pain. Uh, and there's a lot of list, uh, or a lot on the list that can be under pain. There's a lot on the list that can be under crying and sorrow. Uh, people go through things. Uh, they may not speak it. You may not know it. Uh, they don't voice it, but people go through things. And maybe you're here tonight, you're going through something that's very painful, uh, it's caused a lot of sorrow, a lot of crying. Uh, these are the former things here. This is why I say there's no greater hope. When I read this, uh, this text sometimes, uh, it does give me hope. It's not always going to be like this. It's not always going to be the struggle. It's not always going to be the pain, the difficulty. Uh, there is no greater hope, and we read that here in our text. You know, we're living in a sin-filled world, and because we're living... And we're also living in a dying body. How many of that creates problems? When we live in a sinful world in a dying body, that's going to create problems. That's going to create sorrows and pains. Uh, crying as Jesus talked about, these are the former things. Uh, 
Amen. So there's not one of us in here that can say, you know what, I'm good. Maybe this week uh, you've had your time of crying. Maybe this week you've had your time of sorrow uh, and pain. Uh, Maybe as close as today. I've heard people say, now that I'm a Christian, nothing bad's ever going to happen to me. I say, well, you know, as Christians, we are shielded from many bad things. We can't count the times that God has stepped in and saved us, delivered us from something that could have come and destroyed us. How many times, uh, I mean, as you look back through the, through the days and weeks and months and years, uh, you say, man, God stepped in. God helped me. God, I mean, now with clear vision, you know uh, that would have destroyed you. That would have broken up something in your life. But you know that God stepped in. Uh, so we, as Christians, we know that's true. But I also know as Christians, uh, just because we're saved and living for God, doesn't mean we're going to have no former thing. Amen. The Bible is written to Christians. The Bible is written to believers. uh, And the Bible calls them former things. Amen. These things are going to touch us. Uh, Things are going to happen in our life. Uh, uh, So, uh, amen. There there is a way to deal with this, though. You know, there's some here right now, if you'd be honest, because of the choices you made, decisions, uh, you're in that former time right now. It's not always somebody else's fault. It's not always uh, what somebody else has done. Sometimes our choices, our decisions, uh, amen, put us in the place of former things, amen, the crying, the sorrow, the pain. Uh, I've seen people get married to the wrong person. And all of a sudden, man, their life is filled with sorrow. Their life is filled with pain and agony. Uh, day after day, they're crying, the sorrow's there uh, because of the choice they made. I've seen people with sickness in their body, disease. Not by their choice, but because it's there, their whole life is filled with sorrow. I mean, their whole life, one day could be good, the next day uh, totally upside down because of this disease, uh, because of this sickness, it can totally disrupt life. Uh, Amen. So uh, we are touched by these things. All through the Bible, we have men and women of God that have suffered great things. You read the Bible. I wish we could read the Bible and it says, uh, you're a Christian, good to go. No pain, no agonies, no sorrows, no nothing. Uh, but that's in heaven. But here during the former things, uh, there's going to be times, uh, Jesus says, amen, uh, death, sorrow, crying, and pain. Like it or not, it's here. Uh, like it or not, we're living in former times uh, and these things are going to touch us from time to time. You know, there are many great joys in life. We can talk about salvation, relationship with our brethren, our marriages, families, friends, material things God's given you. But from time to time, former things, you're going to pop their head up. Uh, amen. Uh, former things, but there's hope. Uh, in verse 4, God will wipe away every tear from your eyes. There'll be no death, nor sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And there's sometimes I have to tell myself that. Listen, Larry, one day you're going to heaven. How many tells himself every once in a while? One day you're going to heaven. It's all going to be good. Uh, no more of this, uh, uh, these uh, sorrows. Uh, it's all going to be good. I remember when I was going through my 
brain injury, 12 years, this is a long time. A lot of suffering, I ain't going to lie to you, a lot of suffering in them 12 years I went through it. And many times I told myself, listen, uh, when you get to heaven, it's, gonna, it's not going to be here. It's not going to be there. God's going to wipe away the former things. Uh, uh, amen. And, and so we go through things. Paul says we need eyes to look ahead. Hebrews 10.35 Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance. For after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while... He who is coming will come and will not tarry, but the just shall live by faith. Look what he says here. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Think about that. People are in the fight. We know them. They're fighting the good fight. Uh, Paul said, don't lose confidence. You have need of endurance. Uh, how many people in the midst of their struggle, in the midst of their death, many times just draw back. They pull back. Uh, I don't want to be involved anymore. I don't want to. Uh, go for God anymore, don't want to, uh, you know, be counted on anymore. They draw back. The Bible says God has no pleasure in that. Uh, Paul says, press on. We need eyes to look ahead. It's not always going to be like that. Sometimes you just got to push yourself, get out of bed, uh, go to church, pray, read your Bible, do what's right. Uh, amen. You have need of perseverance, he said. We have need of this because it's not always going to be this way. Uh, I mean, it'd be horrible to get to heaven uh, and be known as a quitter. As Christians, we need the mind, no quitting, no turning back, no slowing down. That's needed in our Christian life. Romans 5.1 says this, way, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have access by faith into this grace which, in which we stand, and rejoice in hope and the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. Think what he's saying here. We also grow in tribulation and perseverance. Uh, or we also joy. Let me start. We also rejoice in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God uh, has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Paul says, "Listen, we thank God we're justified by faith." We thank God for the peace that's been given to us. Uh, but listen, uh, he said, I understand. And we, uh, knowing uh, there's, there's going to be times of tribulation, difficulty, struggle, I glory in them because they're producing something in me. What he's saying, I've made a decision, no quitting, uh, no turning back, no slowing down. Uh, and because of Paul seeing what this has produced in him, uh, and now he's telling them, listen, I've been through some things. Uh, I've made some right decisions. I've seen of what is produced, uh, and now you keep going. James says, My brother encountered all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect worth that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. They're saying, in short, we're going to have former times. There's going to be times, again, of sorrow, pain, crying, difficulties, uh, but in these times we make a decision, we're going to persevere. We're going to do what's right. It's going to produce some good things in us to help us keep going strong. Look, lastly, eyes to see. Eyes that see. Now think about John. 
John, they say, uh, has been banished to the island of Patmos where he wrote the book of Revelation. Before he got banished there, he was boiled in oil. How many burnt their finger in oil before? Or you're cooking bacon. Come on, let's get real here. You're cooking some bacon, the bacon grease gets done. Yeah, ow, 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 ow. How many's been there? Imagine being boiled in oil. His body's marred. I mean, to look up on him would have been difficult. To look up on a body that marred, that, uh, that fire just melts your skin. Uh, I mean, think about what he must have looked like, the pain that he had to endure. Uh, There's no Motrin back then. He's not, he can't just say, hey, give me a few Motrin. Uh, uh, I mean, he's enduring the pain of this. He's enduring the agony of that, the boil, the, the nerve damage, the tendon damage that must have been there. The difficulty of seeing and writing, walking, uh, and just getting by in life. Uh, all of it's there. And he's writing this letter. And as I'm reading this, I'm not surprised of his attitude. Uh, I mean, because if you read the book of John, uh, it's all about Jesus. Book of John's all about the Holy Spirit. Uh, eyes that see, amen. He sees beyond the pain, all beyond beyond the agony. Uh, he's able to see God, see Jesus. Uh, and he's writing these verses. He says, now I saw new heaven. He said, now I saw a new heaven, a new earth. For the first heaven, the first earth passed away. And there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw uh, the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Think about it. I always went through. Now what he's seeing? What are you seeing in your moment of difficulty? All that John just went through. We can't say, well, if you'd be, if you went through what I went through, if you're living what I'm living with, uh, if you're where I'm at, uh, well, listen, John, we ain't, ain't nothing to complain, complain. Boiled in oil disfigured, marred, uh, we're going on. But he's writing words and he says, I saw New Jerusalem, I saw new earth, I, I saw new heavens. Uh, uh, I saw these things. I mean, in the condition he's in, he's able to see that. That's amazing. When you read the book of John, you read the book of Revelation, he's an amazing guy. See, the truth is, how we see things is going to affect our now and eternity. How you see God when you're going through your former things. How you see God, how you view the will of God, how you view the kingdom of God, uh, how you view the word of God, how you see God uh, as you're going through things is going to affect your now and eternity. Isaiah 6. King Uzziah just died. If you read it in context, uh, Isaiah is devastated uh, until he saw the Lord high and lifted up. Read that. It said in the year King Uzziah died, uh, reading it said that there they were close. Uh, his best friend basically has died. Uh, uh, amen. And he, there's the loss there. There's the, the difficulty there. But in that pain, in that agony, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. Look what he didn't see. He didn't see the Lord... Uh, as why is this happening to me? Or Lord, why, did, why didn't you heal King Uzziah? He saw him high and lifted up. How do you see God in your struggle? How do you see God in your sorrows? Uh, it's going to matter. Second Kings 6. 
the servant of Elijah is flipping out. Their pastor then went and made everybody mad. His pastor then made a whole army mad. We're not talking about an outreach going bad. We're talking about an army coming after you. And this young servant, uh, Elijah's in there chilling, he's cooking, uh, uh, and you know, he's just going to eat some good breakfast. And, and the servant goes out, and he, looks, and he sees a whole army out there. Armies, uh, they have weapons. Uh, they have a mindset to kill. Uh, they've been trained for battle. Uh, they're, they're not coming in to say, hey, how's, what's going on, man? They're coming in to kill, to hurt, to maim. Uh, and this guy, young guy's flipping out, and he knows that. Verse, verse, verse 17, Elijah prayed and said, Lord, uh, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened his eyes to the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountains was full of horses, of chariots of fire all around Elisha. God has your back. Amen. In a time of sorrow, time of difficulties, uh, many times all we can see is the enemy. Uh, we can see the enemy's forces, and we have the knowledge of, of past uh, prior uh, battles and difficulties where the devil's brought his army and his forces. Uh, but sometimes we have to pray, God, open my eyes. God, let me see what I need to see. Uh, and listen, if we take the time to pray, if we take the time to call the brother or sister Help me, uh, I, I need to see God here, I need, you, I need some help. But take some time. God will allow us to see, He's got our back. Because how we see God matters. Look at Matthew 14, 29. It says, then He said, come, or so, so He said, come, and when Peter had uh, come out of, if you know the story, they're going through a uh, storm, uh, Jesus walked on the water, come to them. Peter's asked, say, if that's you, Lord, bid me come. And he said, come. And when Peter had come out of the boat, he walked in the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, "Why, oh, you have little faith, why did you doubt? And when, he got, and when they got into the boat, the wind seized. Then those who were in the boat... Uh, I came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. It's interesting, you're going through this major storm, and people are flipping out, but Peter saw something. He saw something that we need to see in the midst of the storm. He's able to recognize Jesus. And this is where many people miss it. Uh, this is where many people mess up their marriage. They mess up their, their children. They mess up their own mind and spiritual life. Uh, because the middle of their storm, they're just flipping out. So all they're seeing is the boisterous uh, winds and, and waves and rain. Uh, that's all they're seeing. But P Peter is in it with them, but he saw Jesus. And when you see Jesus, you have some faith. Uh, think about Peter gets out of the boat and walks on this uh, water that uh, is uh, these waves and this water is going crazy. Peter's walking on that. Yes, he began to sing, but he walked on it. He got out and he trusted God uh, and they got back in the boat. Peter could say something that nobody else can say. I get out of the boat and I walked. Uh, and so how we see God, uh, how we see things uh, matters when we go through difficulties. Maybe you're here tonight you need to get out of the boat. You're in a storm. 
You're in a storm in your marriage. Maybe you're in a storm in your finances, your own mind. Uh, can you see Jesus? And will you get out of your boat uh, and walk to him? You know, to me, John, we just complain, don't we? We complain, and hopefully the storm just goes away. You know, the ostriches, when they see danger, you probably know this, but they see danger, they just dig a little hole, put their head in there. Because in their mind, if I can't see it, it's not happening. All of a sudden, a train comes by. They don't know anything after that anyway, but you don't want to end up like that. Amen. Just digging a hole, sticking your head in the the ground is not going to help the matter. Amen. But we can see Jesus. Again, think about John, uh, the condition he must have been in when he wrote the book of Revelation uh, that has all of us on edge today. this one book, you can read it and read it and read it and keep reading it, uh, and it's always new and fresh. But he wrote this in the, in the worst conditions in the natural because I've seen Jesus. Read, think about it. You read there's no bitterness. There's no hatred. Why God? How come? There's none of that in that book. It's because how he's seen Jesus, how he's seen God. Let me ask you, how are you seeing? What eyes do you use? You know, maybe the reason you've lost severe victory tonight, if you have, is because you're not seeing Jesus. So all you're seeing is the problems are bigger than what Jesus seems to be in your life. Matthew eleven twenty eight, last verse here. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. There's an invitation here. Jesus said, listen, if you're going through it, man, you're going, life's turning, come to me. You're going to find rest, you're going to find peace. And how many times has that been true for you and I? You go through something, there's a storm, there's a, you go to Jesus, spend some time with him, and there's a peace and there's a rest. No greater hope. Listen, one day, we get, we get to heaven, listen, none of the former things are going to be there. Imagine a sinless community. I mean, I th- I mean, not even one lie, not one thought of lust, not nothing of that nature at all. Thing. I mean, I can't even imagine that because, because the world's so sin-filled. Uh, since we were a child, we grew up, uh, I can't even imagine that, but it's going to be that. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more div- no more. Str- I mean, we can't even get our mind around that. No greater hope. Next time you go through something, think about this tonight. But listen, again, you're going to have to make a decision what you see and who you see in these times of difficulty. If you see God, God's going to help you. Let's bow our heads tonight. Every head bowed, every eye closed.